Welcome to the Evolved Nest. We talk about child development, human flourishing, morality, and society. You're welcome to follow us at www.evolvednest.org. My name is Mary Tarsha, and I'm here with Dr. Darsha Narvais. Thank you for joining us today. Sure. Today, we're talking about expanding your social self. So what does that mean? Well, it means pulling yourself out of focusing only on your own interests in the moment and expanding your awareness, perception, and behavior oriented to relationships. And sometimes some of us, if we're raised to be alone a lot with our teddy bears, perhaps, or in our cribs or in front of the TV, we don't have a good social self that feels very comfortable in social relationships. So we have to figure out how to get back to what's really our human heritage, which is to be really relationally attuned and feeling like we belong and feeling like people care for us and we care for them and we get along well and it's fun. That's what we need to get back to. So in a sense, it's social pleasure, as you talked about in other places within your 2014 book. Right. But how, you know, nowadays we're so much on our computers and on our phones um, as children and teenagers and, and on and on. Yes. And the, the thing about that is it can be a dangerous place to be. If you're only thinking about yourself, you may miss the needy person in front of you. Uh, the rescuers uh, of Jews and others in World War II had a similar kind of worldview or perspective or social self-orientation that they ex uh, expressed when they were interviewed. They, uh, many of them would say, well, there's a human being on the step in front of me. How can I not help them? They saw the humanness. They saw the need, and they felt committed to relationally uh, being responsible, really, to help someone who's in front of them. And when we get into our more self-protectionist ethics of uh, or self-focused way of being, we miss those cues often, and then we can in inadvertently cause harm to others. So one of the rescuers quoted by Kristen Monroe, who's done a lot of interviewing, uh, found... Uh, well, she uses several as illustrations of what was commonly said. And this person that's quoted on my page 277 in the Neurobiology and the Development of Human Morality book says that uh, he grew up uh, as a way of, of perceiving the world as, you know, a member of the human family. I learned to understand that you're part of a whole just like cells in your own body altogether make up your body. In our society and in our community, we are all like cells of a community. Not, uh, and that means the human race. You should always be aware that every other person is basically you. Treat people as though it is you. And that goes for evil Nazis as well as for Jewish friends who are in trouble. You should have an open mind in dealing with other people and see yourself in those people for good or for evil both. So this kind of uh, very mature, wise orientation is part of what comes about after we've worked at our uh, social relations and our compassion to let go of that, that ego-grabbing, uh, grasping kind of way of being, of fearfulness, hiding either withdrawing from our social relations or trying to dominate others. And once we get to the ability to let that go, those fearful positions or mindsets, 
We can then learn to expand our social self and build the kind of fun social um, relations that will keep us tuned in and uh, part of the community. I think that's so important because you're giving us um, an image and a, a concrete example of seeing um, someone who is aware and has a, a very expanded social self, you know, very integrated and is cognitively aware of how they fit in uh, with the larger community and the world around them. And that's what we're aiming for, what we're striving to work towards. Yes. And so to get there, if you were one of those kids left alone a lot, um, uh, myself, I was isolated quite a bit at different times in my life. There's certain sensitive periods for actually building the social skills you need. Adolescence is a period for that, too. So you don't want teens hanging out alone in their rooms. You want them in groups of um, teens that are going to actually bring out their best selves, not their risk-taking selves. So that would mean multi-aged groups. Uh, ideally with um, wise older teens <laughs> hanging out with the younger <laughs> ones. Uh, so uh, that way you learn to be cooperative and you learn the kind of social skills that help you get along with others and open your mind and your heart. Hmm. Yeah, that's very important. So practicing by choosing your groups, right, and, and choosing those groups. But then as parents, what I hear you saying is also a recommendation to um, help facilitate the social life and the social self within the growing child. Yes. And so if you are an adult or a teen, you can actually select uh, activities that are going to help you uh, build your social sociality, like dancing, folk dancing, uh, playful sport activities, music ensembles, doing community art together like murals, gardening, things that actually are group oriented. And you could just, you know, put your toe in first and do one little thing at a time. And then as you get more and more comfortable, you'll be able to uh, be more centered in that group. Um, but use those opportunities to um, <clears throat> monitor your own Afterwards, you know, be in the moment when you're there. Uh, and then afterwards, note how would you do, you know, and keep track of that. And then pick the, the environments that make you feel the safest, that make you feel or that, that challenge you just a little bit, but not overwhelm you uh, so that you keep growing. Hmm. Yeah, and you highlight the, the fact that within these groups is the goal of knowing others, but also becoming known. And so there is an aspect of learning who others are, but also a vulnerability, you know, sharing. Yes. And so that means you do have to let go of those self-protectionist mindsets that we've talked about before so that um, there's several kinds. Um, the, the more aggressive type where you always try to push people away with gruffness or dominance or, you know, always trying to find out how you're better than that other person when you meet them that kind of dominance orientation or the self-protectionist mindset of, of withdrawing into yourself and not really being yourself because it's too scary, they won't like you, um, you're sh a shameful person. It's that kind of thing that really drives us away from being our true selves and being connected. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. And you point out that, that friendship relies on trust and mutual exchange, right? So you have to have a sense of trust with others, and then it's, and it's, it's an exchange, back and forth. That's right. And I uh, cite earlier in the book um, The uh, Little Prince from Saint-Exupéry, the book The Little Prince, 
where the prince is on a planet and meets a fox, and the fox tells him to make him a friend, and then tells him how to make him a fr- build the friendship. Well, you come every day at the same time so that I can anticipate you coming. Uh, because if you come at any willy-nilly time, then I won't have this buildup <laughs> of antis- positive anticipation, right? So you always come at the same time. And each time you come, you come a little bit closer, right? So, uh, And it takes a long time to build a friend. And little by little, one step closer, one step closer, and finally you can touch. So I think in our... Uh, fast-paced world, instant uh, gratification world, we often think that building friendship should be instantaneous. Other countries know it takes a long time, and so they, you know, they establish, and we used to have these methods of how you build a, you know, courtship, for example. There's certain steps you take when you are wooing a person for marriage. Um, And now we have to get back to that being, understanding that it takes a while for people to let you into their hearts. And so you have to then learn not only to tamp down or release that self-protectionism, but to then start to open your softer heart of hearts to others. And that, that takes you know, a lot of time and building of trust, which is not going to come instantaneously, and it shouldn't. And if it does, you better watch out. It might be a con artist. You know? <laughs> so you do want to make sure that you are moving in a way that is building trust in a way that's going to be helpful. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, sometimes people do hurt us, and so we have to um, remember that that's not the end of the world and that we are still safe in this world generally, just maybe not with that relationship. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's very different. As you're talking, I'm thinking about uh, how, how much that differs in terms of the social media space. With just a click or two, you can have a friend, right? <laughs> and this is much different than taking time and known and being known. This exchange that requires a lot of effort and um, and time and practice and dedication almost. Yes, and patience, which and patience. Uh, we often aren't uh, growing very well in our culture. Mm-hmm. So to slow down, and, and I think the natural world helps us learn patience when we go out and just sit in the woods or on the porch and watch the trees blowing in the wind. It's very calming. And then it just slows you down in terms of expectations, but it's entrancing at the same time. Uh, and that will, and then you see the changes over the seasons. It takes a while for the leaves to fall off the trees. They're still not off in our in our neighborhood, <laughs> even though it's fall. It's November. Um, so um, I think we have. There's many ways to learn to get to these places, and uh, we're just talking about a few of the suggestions, suggested ways. Mm-hmm. And all of these help not only our own personal development, but those around us. So expanding our social self is as much of benefit to us as a gift to the community at large. And we also, you talk in this chapter about different types of attention. I was wondering if you could speak a little bit about that, how that, how that plays a role here in the expanded social self. Yes. So we've uh, mentioned this uh, in other shows uh, or podcasts that the way we enter a situation really matters. We teach our kids now in schools to uh, use focused attention, which is a way to categorize whatever you experience. You know, so let's say, as I have in the book, you imagine that you meet a butterfly and 
what you do with focused attention is you ask, oh, what species is that? How big is it? You know, what are they doing? And you try to analyze. You use your analytical mind, your categorical mind. And that's one way to be, but it it takes, it's a winner-take-all. Attention is a winner-take-all system. So if you start a situation in that mindset, it's really hard to shift to the other one, which is a little more helpful. And the other form of attention I call here receptive attention. And that's when you meet the butterfly, you enjoy it. You you hear it. You see it. You uh, watch the graceful movements. You are focused on the experience of being with the butterfly, being in the moment, not on, on the understanding the mechanisms. That's okay to focus on maybe at some point, but it's a different way of focusing. And you have to, in order to stay in that receptive attention, you have to stay in it. Uh, you have to come to the situation with a, a receptivity so that you can stay in that mode. And that's the mode for relational attunement with others. That's the mode of what I call the ethical engagement uh, that's really needed when we're going to be morally fit. Mm-hmm. You also think give some really helpful approaches of how we can get unstuck, right? So sometimes we have a specific ethic or a mindset and we need a little help to get out of those. Right. So in the book, I talk about different self-protective mindsets. There's the compliant one, this withdrawal, the one that just submits to others uh, because you're just too afraid. You probably don't even know you're submitting and giving up so easily to be yourself. And so you have to learn and that, notice that. You have to notice what you're doing and learn self-calming instead of suddenly shrinking back uh, to actually start to speak up. And this is something I had to learn to do um, to so I didn't use to talk in class. And I had to, at first, write out my question or my comment so then I could read it, <laughs> at least, <laughs> because otherwise I would just freeze up. I couldn't, uh, my brain would go into f- freeze mode. Uh, when, and then if someone asked me a question, oh my goodness, that was horrible. <laughs> so uh, anyway, it takes a while. It can take a while. And you have to think then of the larger goal. What's the effort here to think again? Pull yourself out of that a moment where you're scared to death, right, frozen, and shift your mindset to what's the purpose in my life? Where, how am I connected to everything? What's beautiful around me? So, you, and you have to visualize then a way of being different, and maybe not in that moment you can do it, but you can retrospectively, and then figure out little steps you can take to break your kind of short circuit of being when maybe Mm -hmm. it's with one person that you always go into this withdrawal mode or maybe it's a particular situation and you know figure out little steps you can take to break that that habit that uh kind of uh box you're in Hmm. Hmm. and then yeah that's very helpful but and then but that's just one, right? One ethic. But there's also uh, several others. And one of those is being combative, having a combative ethic. So yeah. what are some suggestions there? So that's where you are just very oppositional with with the situation, a particular situation or person. And you just are very disagreeable with that uh, situation or person. And so you're going to want to, like with the prior 
discussion we just had, you want to think of uh, calming yourself down, thinking of the larger goal and purpose you have in your life or in that situation and breaking things into steps you can take to change your orientation, practice outside of that situation so that you have something to fall back on. I talk back to the TV all the time as, <laughs> as a way to practice. What do you say when someone is mean or cruel to someone else or biased? How do you talk back? Well, I practice with a TV, for example. <laughs> and you want to develop emotional self-awareness then throughout this. And notice what's triggering you. What's triggering these reactions? Pay attention to the thoughts you're having at the time. And then later, outside of the situation, have a calming conversation with those thoughts. Try to get back in that mindset as a, you know, like speaking to the puppet you have in your hand or a little teddy bear. Um, project that feeling that you have in that situation that you're trying to get rid of. Project it onto that teddy bear and let the teddy bear talk back to you and tell you why they're, they're acting this way. And then you'll find out that there's something that triggered it in your past that uh, you can then calm that part of yourself down and replace that behavior. And there's also a vicious ethic. Yeah, the vicious imagination ethic is when you use your combativeness to plan for behavior mm. that's going to control others, essentially. It's a righteous kind of imagination. You know, I've, I'm better and my way's better and so I'm going to make them do it, you know, whatever <laughs> it is. So that's dangerous. It's harmful because you're not in the moment with those people. You're not treating them as unique individuals or unique situations. You're categorizing them and then treating them like a category. Whoa, that's a dangerous. Many people have died from those kinds of attitudes uh, being placed on them and the mistreatment they received as a result. So uh, this, uh, for to get rid of that or to move out of that mindset, the vicious or righteous imagination ethic, you've got to learn to develop more trust in the world. You need to expose yourself to whatever group it is you're scared about. Go hang out with them. <laughs> Go read about them, stories, uh, learn about them, and, and try to develop your empathy for that. Uh, group. And then lastly, we have the detached imagination ethic. And that's where we have divorced ourselves from our feelings and we just categorize and live in our intellect all the time. And uh, we need to get back in the present moment, back with uh, loving to be emotionally present with others. Go gardening, go play mm. with a dog, go, uh, you know, run around with children. Wow, so fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Narvaez. And thank you for joining us at the evolvednest.org.